Whether a date night or family holiday outing, Meadowlark's Winter Walk of Lights is the perfect way to experience the magic of the holidays. The half-mile walk through Vienna's enchanting Meadowlark Botanical Gardens features lighted nature themes and sparkling displays. Get your tickets now at winterwalkoflights.com. Extend your holiday season and beat the rush with a weeknight visit in November or early December. Plan your visit and buy tickets at winterwalkoflights.com. That's winterwalkoflights.com. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. That's why they love Viator. They have over 300,000 bookable experiences and something for everyone. Plus, their travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews, so you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Welcome to Harvest Christian Center. I'm Dr. Foreman, and you're getting ready to hear an incredible message from God's Word. If this message speaks to you in a supernatural way like we believe it will, be sure to let us know at our website, harvestcc.me. If you're led to sow into the ministry of Harvest Christian Center, you can do so as well by visiting our website. Get ready to prepare your heart, mind, and spirit to receive this incredible Word that God has for you today. Remember, love God, love people, and love life. Let's go into the message already in progress. Look at somebody else, tell them, I'm wide awake. Hallelujah. Are you excited to be in the house today? If you're not, would you please just go ahead and leave then so the rest of us can be excited? Are you excited to be in the house today? I just need to hear you shout a little bit if you're excited to be in this place today. If you believe God's going to speak something supernatural into your life today, I need you to just put your hands together and I need you to throw your head back and praise him in advance like you know he's getting ready to speak something into your life today. I said I need you to praise him in advance like you know that you know that you know that you know and you're... Now encourage your neighbor next to you. Say by the time you leave this place today, I speak it into your life that you're going to be wide awake. Look at somebody else and tell them, say, you've wasted enough days. Today, Lazarus is coming forth. We welcome everybody at every campus. Let's get right into the word. Remain standing and let's say our faith confession together. This is my Bible. It is the living word of God. It gives me abundant life. I am not just a hearer of the word. I'm a doer of the word. This word teaches me that I am more than a conqueror. My spirit and my mind Hallelujah. Remain standing, if you would. Go to John chapter 11. Go to the Gospel of John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. John chapter 11. And I want you to get down to verse number 43. John chapter 11, verse 43. As you're flipping there, just say, I'm wide awake. Somebody going to get this thing today. If you don't, that's fine. I'll get it. John chapter 11. I want you to get down to verse number 43. Now, we're going to look at the entire narrative in just a moment. But John chapter 11, verse 43. When you've got it, say, Bishop, I got it. Amen. If you don't have it, look on with your neighbor or look on the screens. Here it is, verse 43. Now, when he had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus! dead situation 
Children acting crazy. Career that looks like it's stalled. Dead marriage. Messed up generational family. He, he said, whatever your issue is, come forth. Verse 44. And he who had died came out. Now, apparently, y'all don't speak the king's English here. Now, we'll look at the narrative in a moment, but the scripture says, and the thing that had died. Apparently, you've never had anything die in your life. Apparently, you've never had something uh, unexpected take place in your life. And he who had died came out, but watch this, when he came out, he was still bound. He was saved, but he was still bound. He was a Christian, but he wasn't capable. You're not hearing what I'm saying. He, he loved God, yet he didn't know how to live life. Y'all not hearing what I'm saying. He had came out, but he was still bound hand and foot with grave clothes. And even his face was wrapped with a cloth. Check it out. He can't see right. He can't do right. But then look at what Jesus said. Here's the message right here. But then Jesus said to them, he wasn't talking to the people. He was talking to the clothes. He said, loose him and let him go. Today, I've come to speak to everything that you walked in here that had you bound to where you couldn't see right and where you couldn't live right and where you couldn't move right. And I got an announcement for it. Loose them and let them go. I tell you to look at your neighbor and say, I'm wide awake, man. I'm wide awake. Father, speak to us in this house. I pray that faith would rise now. I pray that faith would rise now so that we can see a supernatural manifestation in this place, God. I did not come to just play church. I did not come to just preach another sermon today, Father. I did not come uh, just to do this little thing. But, Father, I declare that today I have come with an announcement from heaven. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. Lazarus, come forth. And when you come forth, loose him and let him go. I declare that under the sound of my voice, every person who receives this word with faith and every person who receives this word with gladness, that they're going to see an instantaneous manifestation of this word in their lives. In Jesus' name. Uh, you already know the title. Encourage somebody next to you as you take your seat. Say, I'm wide awake. I'm wide. You can be seated. As you know, we're in our summer concert series, and we've been taking some popular songs in, in our culture and extracting spiritual principles from them that can improve our lives. We just heard, in case you're not familiar with who that was, that was Katy Perry. She is a pop artist, and when I saw the video, I was instantly intrigued uh, at the profundity of the message that she was sending. She starts out in the video uh, now as this girl who was on the set shooting one of her other music videos, and then she had to come back into her dressing room and deal with reality. Do you notice how she went from having this very high moment watch this uh, if you will on a Sunday morning to having to then go home and deal with the reality of the vicissitudes of her life 
That's just a fancy word for problems. She, she went from this issue of now where she was uh, seemingly alive when she was on stage, but then once she got off stage, she had to sit and look in a mirror and deal with herself. One of the most difficult things that you will ever do in life is get from in front of the people and have to deal with you. Have you, have you ever had a moment where you just have to deal with you? You couldn't blame anybody else for your stuff. You couldn't put this on anybody else. You have to deal with you. And one of the most difficult things for us to do, quite frankly, is to deal with ourselves. That's why some of you always got to have folk around you because you don't ever want to have to deal with you. Because if there's nobody else there talking, if there's nobody else there doing anything, now you're left to figure out why do I do the things that I wish... I wish I had somebody here. The Apostle Paul said it like this. He says, the right that I want to do, I don't find myself doing. But the stuff that I don't want to do, oh, uh, I find myself doing that. Later on in the chapter, he says, oh, wretched man uh, that I am. Uh, Katy Perry in this video, she is a type and shadow of the man we're reading about and getting ready to learn about named Lazarus. Say Lazarus. Uh, Lazarus now, he's in this situation uh, to where he goes from one moment he's alive to the next moment he is dead. Katie in the video, she's she's depicting this. She's she's alive, but 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 quite worse is that she wasn't physically dead, but she was spiritually dead and emotionally dead. It's one thing, watch this, watch this. It's one thing to be naturally gone. It's a whole nother situation to deal with when you are naturally here. But there's nothing on the inside. I think I didn't come to talk to everybody. I just came to talk to a few of you where sometimes you can feel like you are going through the motions of life to where uh, when you got to put on and tell how you doing. Oh, I'm blessed and highly favored. I'm this and that. But then when you have to go home and deal with reality, it seems that there is a virtual reality almost sometimes that you are dealing with. Am I talking to anybody in this place? So that's the video. And so say Lazarus. Say it again. Say Lazarus. Uh, the video shows her and it depicts, and I like it because it parallels to this story of Lazarus. Lazarus was from a place called Bethany. Say Bethany. Bethany. You want to know what Bethany means? House of misery. This man, Lazarus, is living in a place where literally it is believed that they would bring the sick so that the sick could be cared for and treated. It is a hospital of sorts, if you will. Uh, he's in this place where there is nothing but misery and pain around him. Have you ever been in a Bethany in your life? Have you ever been in a place to where everywhere you seem to look around you, there is pain and there is misery? And it's not even that a bad situation is happening. You just can't seem to get the situation out of you. It's not even that something go as crazy is happening to you. It's just that sometimes your emotions get you locked into a place to where everywhere you look you find misery. You wake up and see misery. You could be on your lunch break and see misery. You could be he is from a place called House of Misery, but it is interesting because his name means whom God helps or whom God resurrects. God places him in a place of misery, but then he gives him a name that speaks to his destiny. He places him in a place of misery, but yet he gives him a name that speaks to his destiny. You're missing what I'm saying. He didn't place him in the ideal location, uh, but he did place something on the man that would make the location irrelevant. 
You, you didn't hear what I just said. Uh, uh, he didn't place you. And some of you are saying, well, why didn't God do this? And why did God let this happen? And why did God not do this? And why did God deal me this hand in life? And why didn't I get what my friend got? And why didn't this happen? And how come they got this? Uh, it, God put something on Lazarus that said, it's irrelevant, uh, your physical location, because I'll put something on you that makes your physical location not even matter anymore. God says, I'm so great that you can live in a place called misery, and yet I find a way to bring life to you. Uh, God says, I'm so awesome, I can put you in a place called pain, and yet you find a way to get purpose out of it. God says, I'm so awesome, I can put you in a place called bitterness, and you can learn how to get better. Only God can take a Lazarus and place him in a Bethany and get resurrection out of him. So look at this now. Look at this. In John 11, we're going to literally go verse by verse. John 11, verse 1, it says, Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary, and her sister Martha. Uh, verse 2, it was that Martha who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. Now, you know this Martha, right? Because this is the Martha uh, that they have that famous song that says, You don't know the cost of the oil in my alabaster box this this mary is the mary that uh every uh, it is it is rumored that that she had a past it's rumored uh that that everybody in the town knew this mary uh-huh uh-huh that, that's important touch your neighbor say stay with bishop uh, it was the Mary who had anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. And verse 3, therefore the sister sent to him, Mary and Martha, sent to Jesus, saying, Lord, behold, whom, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, uh, that, he said, this sickness is not unto death. Look at your neighbor say, this sickness is not unto death. Say, this problem is not unto death. Some of y'all ain't looking at your neighbor. This is a 100% participating church. I said, look at your neighbor and say, neighbor, your issue is not your finality. Tell them this current story is not how your book ends. Look, he said, therefore, the sister said to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God might be glorified through it. Now, check this out. So we understand now that somehow, someway, there is a connection between Jesus and Lazarus that, that is so profound that, that, because we understand Jesus loved everybody, right? But there's something so profound about this connection between Jesus and Lazarus that as they're giving Jesus the message, they remind him that it's the one that you really care about. They remind him that this is one guy that you really love. And, and it's interesting because Jesus, when he hears that, he says, this sickness is not unto death. Now, you think he'd say, well, let me run and hurry up and get there. Let's stop what we're doing, let's drop what we're doing, and let's run there, and let's go get him so that we can stop him from dying. No, no. Instead, Jesus makes a statement. It's interesting because often God will make a statement when you think he should be taking action. I'm going to preach to this side of the church because I don't know where they at. Often when you think God should be doing something for you, he says something to you. You're, you're not hearing what I'm saying. Often when you think God ought to be getting those folks back that hurt you, God is saying something back to you. When you think he should be taking action, often he's speaking something. He doesn't take any action. He just said, oh, he ain't going to die. 
But this is for the glory of God. Glory just means goodness. It's so that the goodness of God can be revealed. Look at verse 5. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So here it is now. Uh, uh, we now see two times now that the love that he has for them is stated. Whenever you see something in Scripture repeat itself two or three times, it must be very important. Scripture gives a principle, out of the mouth of two or three witnesses, let a thing be established. So it, it's saying to us a second time that Jesus really cared about these people. Not that he cared less about other people, but the Bible wanted us to know that these were people that he really loved. They were special to him. Touch the neighbor and say, just like you. Look at this, verse 6. So when he heard that he was sick, now this is going to blow your mind, because remember, twice now the Bible says that he really loves them. So this is going to mess you up. So when he heard that he was sick, instead of getting on a donkey and riding down to Bethany, he stays two more days in the place where he was. Wait, wait, wait a minute. Wait, wait, wait a minute, Bishop. Uh, I thought you said that, 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 that he loved him. Well, well, he does. And in fact, he loved him so much that the Bible records it twice. And he loves him so much that when he hears he's sick, he prolongs his trip. Now, I don't know about you, but the way you and I often see love and view love and, and demonstrate love is that if somebody calls you and say it's an emergency, it, listen, it don't matter what you're in the middle of. You could be doing an end of quarter report that if you stop it, you got to come back and start over. And no matter what you're doing, you're going to stop what you're doing to go tend to their need. But it's interesting because we see something antithetical here with Jesus. So, so some of you are saying, Bishop, I'm confused now because what's the point? Why, why would Jesus do that? God can love you, but sometimes he has to let you go through. I'm going to say it again until I get a church in here because I don't know where I came today. God can love you, but sometimes he has to let you go through. God could have came and he could have stopped Lazarus from even going any further in his sickness. Instead, he says, no, I'm not leaving yet. In fact, find me somewhere else to preach because I'm not going to help him. I love him so much that I'm not going to show up until it looks like everything I said is not going to happen. That's why the psalmist said, yea, though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death. If you're in a valley, you know what you need to keep doing? Keep walking. Uh-huh, because the valley ain't going to last always. The problem's not going to last always. The issue's not going to last always. He says, he says to him, he says, we're going to stay two more days, guys. We're going to stay here two more days. I'm going to prolong my trip. Now, God is omniscient, omni, all, scient, consciousness, all-knowing. He, 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 he knew exactly what was going on with Lazarus. And yet he says, we're staying, check this out, two more days. So check this out. Now we have a total of three days. Because it took them, one, to be able to get the message to him. Jesus stays two, and then he has to travel another, which gives us a total of four. Why would an all-powerful God, who really, really loved Lazarus, 
Why, if he could have saved him on day one, why would he wait and extend the time of his issue three more? The text already told you. He said, this sickness is not unto death, but so that the glory of God or the goodness of God can be revealed. See, what you need to understand about your story is God has been writing it to make sure that he gets all the glory. He's making sure that you can't take credit for how smart you are. You can't take credit for how much pedigree you have. You can't take credit because, well, I did this and I did this. God says, I'm writing this thing in such a way that when people ask you how that happened, God did that thing, baby. I, I can't even explain it. I don't know how it happened. I don't know where it came from. I don't know. But God did it. Touch your neighbor and say, he's going to get the glory. Watch it now. God can love you, but sometimes he, he has to let you go through. So then it says in verse 7, then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea. Again, verse 8, the disciples said to him, Rabbi, teacher, lately the Jews have sought to stone you, and you are going there again. So now this is interesting because now the story takes a very lifetime-esque turn. Because the disciples are saying to him, teacher, where you're wanting to go, there's not an environment of faith. Where you're wanting to go, there's not an environment of belief. He said, in fact, these Jews, they hate you and they want to stone you. And you're considering, watch this, going back into the line of fire. Why? Why would you do that again? And look at this. Look at this. Verse 9. Jesus answered and said, are there not 12 hours in the day? He was talking about the, the time of the daylight. He said, if anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if uh, one walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not here. What was Jesus saying? I love Jesus because he always, when they say these things, he always seemingly goes somewhere. He's like, okay, Lord, so now what? We're talking about rocks and here you're talking about light. In other words, what Jesus was saying, he was saying, listen, what you don't understand about me is that if I wanted to end their time, I can speak a word and, it, and the rocks will be the least of my concern. He said, what you need to understand is that I am the light. He said, so wherever I show up, stuff is going to get right. Wherever I show up, stuff is going to get fixed. And some of you, that's what's been going on in your life. God been walking through your house, flipping on light switches because it's too dark in here. And whenever light shows up, darkness has to flee. Have you ever noticed when you turn on the lights in your house, the darkness doesn't argue with the light. It just flees. That's what happened with some of the folk you call friends in your life. God turned on the light and the roaches had to scatter. You're not hearing what I'm saying. That's what happened with some of the issues in your life. God flipped on the light and then some folk had to get out of there because darkness cannot argue with the light. So Jesus said, when I show up, they talk a good game when I'm not there. But when I show up, they ain't got nothing to say to my face. That's like some of the haters some of you been dealing with. They say a lot about you when you're not there. But when you show up, they ain't got nothing to say. You know why? Because they're looking at the light. I found your neighbor and say, you're the light, baby. Jesus. That's what I ain't got nothing to say to you when you're there. Jesus was saying, listen, they talk that game until they're in front of me. You're not hearing what I'm saying? 
I learned that one a long time ago about Denver. Uh-huh. They got a lot to say until the bishop is in their face. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Darkness cannot argue with light because it is an inferior source. That's why some of your enemies, you said them trying to, but I'm just trying to have a meeting and have it. Listen, disloyalty doesn't need conversation. It needs an exit. You don't, you, you don't try to counsel Jezebel, you kill her. <laughs> I'll say it again. You don't try to counsel Jezebel, you kill her. She can't be counseled. She got to be thrown out the window. That's how they killed her. They de-infiltrated her. What's this? What's this? Jesus said, <laughs> Jesus said, listen, he, he said, I'm the light. He said, so when I show up, all that talk about rocks is going to go away. And you're going to see it because you're going to see them show up and you're going to see exactly what they do. You're going to see exactly what they do. That's why some of you, you you're scared. I don't want to go because, you know, so-and-so may do this, so-and-so may do this. Let me tell you something. When the light shows up, darkness will start stumbling over their words. Well, uh, mm, excuse me. Uh, uh, well, now what do you have to say about me on Facebook? Huh? No, I want to talk about you. I was just, no, say it to my face. Why? You can't because darkness cannot stand in the presence of the light. And in Matthew, Jesus told you, we are the light of the world. Set on a hill that cannot be hidden. So Jesus tells the disciples, you know, they're talking about rocks. He talks about light. He's like this, don't, don't, don't worry. He says, when I show up, trust me, ain't nobody going to be throwing rocks. That, that's, why, that's why even when Judas came to betray Jesus and, 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 and they took him, the scripture says, he says, no man takes my life. Jesus said, I'm giving it to you. He said, don't you for one second think that you got me. No, no, no. He said, don't for you for one second think you tricked me or got over on me. He said, I'm giving it. Now watch this, watch this. Watch this. Somebody's going to get something today. Somebody's going to get something today. I said, somebody's going to get something today. I said, somebody's going to get something today. Somebody's going to get the boldness they needed this week. Somebody's going to get the faith they needed for this week. Somebody's going to get the word they needed to turn their life around. Some, somebody's going to get what they... Look at this. Look at this. So look at verse 11. Then he said, uh, these things he said, and after that he said to them, our friend Lazarus, check it out, sleeps. But I'm going to wake him up. What you need to understand about a Christian is you can never kill one. If you kill a Christian's body, all you've done is put that body into a thing called sleep. That's why the, you, you can't kill a Christian. The, the scripture says we sleep. The body sleeps. He said, watch this. Our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may what? Wake him up. Now, this is a trip now because, look, it says that I may wake him up. Which indicates that him being awoken and him getting up was predicated upon, watch this, somebody else's faith. Because if he's asleep, he can't use his faith. So he needed somebody else. 
That's why when God often gets ready to do something great in your life, he sometimes has to put people away. And and the reason, and you say, God, I don't understand. Because sometimes he's saying, listen, what I need to do for you, I need somebody else's faith to be added to your faith. And the problem is they talk faith, but they don't have faith. And so what they were actually doing was surging and draining your faith. And so, all right. He said, I go that I might do what? Come on, what? Verse 12. Then his disciples says, well, Lord, if he's taking a nap, he's going to be all right. They didn't understand it. You know, it's, it, it, it's amazing because these men walk with Jesus for three and a half years. They walk with God himself. Come on, class. The anthropos, the God man. So much God you could not believe he's man. So much man you could not believe he's God. They walk with him for three and a half years. And it's a trip to me because they were nothing like him. Which means I don't take it personal now when people can be around me and be nothing like me. Because the scripture, I don't take it personal. Because Jesus, he's talking to them and they should get it by now. You ever had somebody around you long enough, you say, you should get it by now. You should know it by now. Why are we still having this discussion? Why are we still talking about elementary stuff? Why are we still talking about, why are we still talking about being on time? Why are we still talking about simple stuff like that? You should be further than that now. So they respond, well, Lord, he's taking a nap. He's going to be okay. And then look at verse 13. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought that he was speaking about taking rest and sleep. So then 14, Jesus just has to get real with him. You understand? He, he, he quit using parables in Hebrew and Greek. Jesus had to say, he dead. Fool, I'm sitting up here trying to, he gone. Sometimes when you don't understand God speaking to you calmly, he has the Hebrews 12 you. This is what's Hebrews 12. In Hebrews 12, it says that, that he, he speaks in such a way that when he shakes things that can be shaken. See, some of the shaking that some of y'all are dealing with is because God said, I told you last year, but you didn't hear me speaking nice parables to you. So I spoke, spoke in such a way where it shook what could be shaken. So only those things which could not be shaken would remain. So Jesus speaks to them plainly. He just said, Lazarus is dead. Now here's the problem I got with this verse, y'all. Remember up from verse number uh, four, where Jesus said, this sickness is not unto death. So now we have a paradoxical statement given by Jesus. Two statements that, that seemingly contradict one another. Because now Jesus is saying, he says, he, he says in verse 14, he says, well, Lazarus is dead. But in verse 4, you told me this sickness was not unto death. But in verse 14, Lazarus is dead. Uh, your neighbor will get in a minute. In verse 4, you told me that I would be the head and not the tail. In verse 14, it looks like I'm the tail. In verse 4, you tell me that I would be blessed going in, blessed coming out, blessed in the city, blessed in the field. But in verse 14, it looks like ain't nothing blessed there, ain't nothing blessed there, ain't nothing blessed there. In verse 4, you told me that you would make a way out of no way. In verse 14, it looks like every way has been shut. In verse 4, you told me you'd heal me. But in verse 14, the doctor says it got worse. 
In verse 4, you said that I would have overflow. But in verse 14, I got lack. In verse 4, you told me that my children would serve the Lord. In verse 14, that sucker just got locked up. In verse... In verse 4, you told me that you would give me godly relationships. In verse 14, ain't nobody around. In verse 4, you told me you'd make my enemies my footstool. But in verse 14, it looks like my enemies are stepping on my neck. Has anybody in this place ever had a 414? Anybody in this place ever had a verse that seemingly contradicted? In verse 4, you told me that goodness and mercy would follow me all the days of my life. But in verse 14, it seems like nothing but hell and high water are following me all the days of my life. In verse 4, you told me that if I was a tither, that you would open up the windows of heaven. But in verse 14, it looked like them jokers are shut. In In verse 4, you told me that if I had unusual offerings, I'd have unusual opportunities. But in verse 14, it looks like I got the same old same soul. We got a paradox here. Because Jesus voluntarily said, this sickness is not unto death. Nobody asked him that. Nobody asked him if Lazarus is going to die. Jesus voluntarily tells them, watch this, and Jesus voluntarily gives them a promise. This book is filled with voluntary promises that he's made to you and I that we didn't ask him for, but he voluntarily made. But, but we got an issue because after he voluntarily makes the promise, he seemingly revokes his own promise. Now, we didn't ask him to make the promise. We're glad he did. But in verse 14, he seemingly revoked it because he says, Lazarus is dead. So it seems like God is, can we just be real frank? It seems like God lied. It it, it seems, and and if you're honest today, you've had moments in your life where you're like, God. Okay, if you look at me with that tone of face, I will beat you up with this microphone and then say do something about it. Have you ever had those moments where, you know, your faith, you love God, your faith, you love God, but, but then something happens, you, you have a 414, and then you're like. And you're lifting your hands, but while you're lifting your hands in church, 414, you got a code 414. Tell your neighbor, say code 414, tell them. Anybody in here ever had a code 414 where you're like, okay, God. Lord, I, I decreed and I declared that, that that was my job. And they hired somebody else. Got a code 414. He, 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 says, he says, Lazarus is dead. So it seems like God lied. And what adds insult to injury is that God voluntarily said the sickness wasn't unto death. So if God knew he was going to die in verse 4, why didn't he just say, you know, I'm praying for you or you know, go give you some grace or it's going to be all right or just, you know, you know, good churchy stuff. You know, just put your hand in the Lord's hand, you know. Won't he do it? You know, stuff like that. Instead, he makes a voluntary promise answering a question that was not asked. 
But look at this. Verse 14. Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. It seems like Jesus lied to them. Now remember, these are people he really loves. So how could God lie to people that he really loves? Can I tell you, Harvest, that God is so awesome that when he says something is going to live, even if it dies, he'll bring it back to life. Because Luke 21, 33 says, heaven and earth will pass away, but not one word that I have said will by any means pass away. God, if you said it, I believe it, and that settles it. And God says, I'm so awesome that even if I tell you it, it will live and not die, and it dies, I'm so cool, I'll bring it back to life just so that you can't call me a lie. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You've been speaking life over your children and it seems like they're getting worse. But I'm here to tell you, God is not a man that he should lie, nor the son of a man that he should have to take back what he said. His words will by no means, put the verse up, pass away. Put that up. Okay, Jesus said, Jesus said, heaven and earth will be gone before anything I said doesn't happen. He said, I'll shut the whole thing down before anything I said doesn't come to pass. He said, I'll turn off all the lights before I let Lazarus die. He said, I'll shut the whole system down before anything I said doesn't come to pass. But now check this out, y'all. It takes another turn. Because look at verse 15 in the story. Look at what Jesus says. He says, Watch this. He says in, 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 in the same story, John 11, y'all, John 11, verse 15. Look what he says. Read it with me. And I'm glad. Stop. 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 Stop it. Stop. In verse 14, he says, Lazarus dead. Verse 15. And I'm Somebody's going to get free today. I said, somebody's going to get free today. What? I got a code 414. And while I'm grieving, you say to me, good. Have you ever felt like when you've been going through something, like it wasn't the enemy, but it was God doing it to you? He said, I'm glad. Lazarus is dead, and I'm glad about it. Come on, get a Lord praise. I mean, that's essentially what he was doing. Come on, clap your hands and tell him thank you. I mean, that's what he was doing. Could you imagine? Now, remember, these guys are already slow. And I mean that, and, and, and I don't mean that in a, in a disrespectful way. What I mean is these guys are already dense in their aptitude to receive. Do you understand what I'm saying? Okay. So that you can already tell them two and two. Uh, hold on, Jesus. Seven and a half. Do you see what I'm saying? They were dense. So they're already dense. So imagine now the level of density that those words have to go through. He said, Lazarus is dead. And be honest with you, I'm glad about it. Could you imagine 
Could you imagine? Could you imagine? They've taken your house and God looks at you and said, I'm glad they did. They betrayed you and treated you like yesterday's trash. I'm glad they did. They lied on you after you helped them and walked with them. I'm glad about it. They, they, they turned their back on you when they said they'd always be there. And God, I'm glad about it. I, I'm, I'm, I'm glad about that thing. They stole from you. I'm, I'm glad. <laughs> Could you imagine telling Jesus your greatest issue and Jesus responding to you and saying, I'm glad. Jesus, the doctor says I got three months. I'm glad. Come on, can we be real here? Spouse walks in and says, it's over. And God says, I'm glad. I didn't like him in the first place. I'm glad. You put that together, not me. And only what God has put together can no man put us under. God, I've been faithful to you. And he laid me off. I'm glad. God, they took my car. I'm glad. Could you imagine that? But check out what he says after I'm glad. Because remember, these guys are dense. So they, they're, like, they're like, oh, my God. <laughs> I thought God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. I mean, where's all the love in this? Here's the love in the verse. For your sake. He said, I'm glad, but I'm glad for you. He said that I wasn't there to stop it. He said, because you got a believing issue and you got a faith issue and you had this level of faith. But what I've been trying to do is to elevate your faith. But in order to elevate your faith, I got to elevate your pain because you can only grow to the threshold of your pain. And so he says, I'm glad, but I'm glad for your sake because you need to believe. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You ought to be like Jesus and say, I'm glad that you hurt me. Because then I learned that when everybody else forsakes me, he'll be the friend that sticketh closer. That I'm glad that you stole from me. Because I found out when a thief is found, he's got to restore it sevenfold. I'm glad. Somebody shout, I'm glad. He says, I'm glad for your sake that I wasn't there. He said, I'm glad for your sake that it happened. I'm glad for your sake that they were stealing. I'm glad for your sake that they were creeping. Yeah, because creeping. He said, because you need to believe. Some of you said, Bishop, what's been going on in my life? God says, I've been elevating your faith. God, why is he elevating my faith? Because you're the one that asked him to do great things in your life. You're the one that asked him to do great and mighty things in your life. So he said, the level of faith that you have was good enough to get you to where you are. But for where you want to go, you got to have a greater level of faith. So what I got to do is I got to say, I'm glad, but it's for your sake. That's why he said the sickness isn't unto death, which means the issue is not how I'm going out. This is not how I'm going down. My ship is going to continue to sail. It may have got a little dent in the side. It may be like the Titanic, but baby, this ship shall sail again. I... Look at the end of verse 15. He says, nevertheless, y'all getting anything? Yeah. Nevertheless, let us go to him. <laughs> so now you got to imagine these guys are just totally confused. Does the neighbor say, is this you? 
they're totally confused because we got a code 414. And then he says, and I'm glad about it, but I'm glad for your sake because I could have taught, I could have shown you this better than I could have told you this. See, 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 you don't know that he's a way maker until you've had no way. You don't know that he's a healer until you've been sick. You don't know that he's a, how they used to say it in the old school. You don't know that he's a mind regulator until your mind has been messed up. You, you don't know that he's a keeper until you've not been able to keep yourself. You don't. So God says, listen, I'm making a testimony out of you. So that when you tell your story, somebody else can say, well, God did that for you. But if he did that for you, then he can do the same thing for me. Look, he says, Jesus was saying essentially in verse 15, it's time for your faith to go to another level. Now look at verse 16, because here it goes. I'm telling you, this is lifetime. This is lifetime. And then for the fellows that don't even know where the lifetime channel is, you know, this is like a thousand ways to die or something, you follow? I mean, this is black ops, like, you know, eternity or something, okay? See, the, the men got it. The men was like, oh, okay, that's all I had to say. <laughs> then Thomas. Now, you know Thomas. You remember Thomas because Thomas is the one that when Jesus resur uh, had resurrected, Thomas was like, I don't believe that's him. Where the hole's at? So then Thomas, look at this, because Thomas has had a lot of uh, instability issues. Then Thomas, who was called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go check it out so we can die with him. He doesn't say so we can mourn with him or mourn with his family. He says, let us go, check this out, be, be, because I don't find much more reason to live after this. Have you ever had something take so much out of you that the truth be told, if you were to go, you really wouldn't be hurt? Okay, ain't no real folk in this church. Would the real folks stand up if I'm talking to you? Uh, have you ever had something take so much out of you to where you said, you know what, God, if I got to go today, I'm fine because this has taken more out of me than I knew I could give. I'm so hurt. I'm so beat down. I'm so messed up over this that if I left, I'd be fine. I just needed the real folk. I just need to know who I'm preaching to. Thank you. I just needed to know who I was preaching to. If you ain't never had that happen, keep living because Tuesday's coming. <laughs> Wednesday's coming. Until you've had something seemingly take your reason to live, I submit to you, you don't even know why you're here. You learn how deeply you can love when you discover how deeply you can hurt because pain and love both come from the same place. Thomas said, this, this, Thomas like, this is too much. <laughs> Thomas like, listen, man, I, listen, I'm fin let's just die. Let's walk on over there and let's die with him. He said, because this took too much out of me. Watch this, watch this. Thomas said, I put everything into this. And it died. I put my savings into this business. I put my retirement into this thing. I loved the way I never loved before. I took down walls I had never taken down before. I'm talking to somebody. I invested everything like I never invested before. And now you mean to tell me it's dead. This is too much for me. So he became a dead man walking. 
Thomas didn't find much more reason to live for himself. And it's not that he was on suicide watch. It's just that if life was to end for him, he'd be fine with it. <laughs> you know what happens to people like that? I'm going to tell you whether or not you're where Thomas was. It's to where you stop caring about simple things in life. Now, let me tell you this. When, watch this. When you stop caring about how you look when you come out the house. Oh, it's quiet in here. You just kind of roll over and just, well, it's Tuesday. <laughs> Thomas, Thomas had got to a point. He said, let us go down with him. I got to move because I'm running out of time. I'm not helping anybody here. <laughs> so check this out. Remember, God already said that this is for my glory, which means God used the death of this situation not just to help Lazarus, not just to help Martha, not just to help Mary, but to help the disciples. He said, I'm going to use your one story to fix a whole generation of folk. I'm going to use your one story to get your family saved. I'm going to use your one story to get... Look at this, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found out, or he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Jesus knew that. Remember, he intentionally delayed it. So he knew that. Now, some of you say, what's the significance of four days? We'll read it in a little bit. Uh, at that point, uh, in four days, as the body is beginning the decomposition process, he was stanking. Let me translate Denver. He had a very odious stench. <laughs> Did you get that? Check this out. Verse 18. Now, Bethany, watch this. Check, check this out. I'm going to shake up. Now, Bethany, what's that mean? House of misery. Look at this. It was real close to a house of peace. <laughs> Jerusalem means city of peace. Shalom. Nothing missing. Nothing lacking. Nothing broken. All You missed it. You missed it. I wish I had a fast church here. It was only about two miles away. Y'all aren't getting what I'm saying. If you're in misery right now... <laughs> Don't you stop. Don't you give up. Because misery is real close to nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. All is well. In fact, when I look at misery around me, I start shouting. You know why? Because Jerusalem is right over. Somebody shout in this place. He said, now, misery was real close to peace. You want to know when you're closest to your greatest breakthrough, you experience your greatest pain. You know when you're closest to your greatest breakthrough? It's when it feels like you're pressing against the glass ceiling. You're not hearing what I'm saying. Did you see the video? She was pressing against the glass. She couldn't break through. And all of a sudden, when something snapped, when something happened, when she came to harvest and the man of God announced Lazarus come for, all of a sudden, snap, and all of a sudden, she was wide awake. Now, misery, sit down. Misery was real close to peace. It was just two miles away. That's why the enemy wants you to break down in your misery. Because you're thinking peace is 15 miles away, 20 miles away, another city, another state. He said, listen, he said, listen, you're two miles away. You didn't hear what I'm saying. You're. You're, and, and, and in walking in that particular time, in that particular day, he, he was saying, listen, you're a little less than a day away. 
I prophesy into somebody's life today. You're a little less than 24 hours away. This is for somebody, not for everybody. You're a little less than 24 hours away. I said you're a little less than 24 hours away. Look at verse 19. I got to move because I'm running out of time. Verse 19, it says, and many of the Jews, watch it, because now here we're hearing about them again, had joined the woman around Martha and Mary, check this out, to comfort them concerning their brother. Now, remember, they got the message that his sickness wasn't unto death. They get the message, code 414. It's almost like the moment that God sent the message is the moment that it died. See, the moment you get a word or the moment you get a promise is the moment where it seems like hell breaks loose. That, that's, why, that's, why, that's why you got to stop playing this halfway being in church stuff. Because you say, it seemed like I came to church and all of a sudden my life started going crazy. Duh. You know why? Because since you switched teams, you think they're going to let you go that easy? You, you didn't hear what I just said. You were running with Satan and now you're talking about I'm going to run for God. You think he's going to let you go that easy, man? Crips and bloods ain't got nothing on the devil. And what you think about it is he's never your friend. Some say, Bishop, I wasn't running with the devil. <laughs> you don't have to run with who you are. Anyway, so. There's a principle in the scripture that it gets noisy before it gets better. It gets worse before it gets better. God subtracts to add. He divides to multiply. In Ezekiel 37, there's a scripture about a valley of dry bones. The Bible says the bones begin to rattle and make noise. It got noisy. It got chaotic. But it got chaotic right before order began to come. Stop saying, well, it seems like I started doing the right thing and the wrong thing stopped happening. That's the way it works. Are you still here? Look at this. Look at this. But now these women... These Jews are with Martha and Mary, and they're comforting them concerning their brother. Now, verse 20, now Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met with him, but Mary was sitting at the house. Now, Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Imagine their pain. Imagine their sense of disappointment. It's not like Jesus was caught off guard. He intentionally waited. And that's what some of you need to know today. Your stuff didn't catch God off guard. Your problem didn't catch him off guard. Your storm didn't catch him off guard. And some of you say, Bishop, it's like Hurricane Katrina. Good. Katrina means cleansing. <laughs> he, 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 imagine. Imagine the disappointment. And look at verse 22. So she says, Lord, if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. Look at verse 22. But even now I know that whatever you ask of God... God will give you. Hold, hold up. Hold up. What? Look at her statements. Do they even make sense? Go to verse 21. Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Verse 22. But I know whatever you ask of the Lord, he'll give you. What? Go back to verse 21. Lord, if you had been here, Lazarus wouldn't have died. Verse 22. But I know whatever I ask God, he'll give me. Let me explain to you. Let me give you the contrast. It's Tuesday. I show like catfish. What? (laughs) 
I like your house. What kind of car you drive? <laughs> 21. <laughs> if you had been here, he wouldn't have died. 22. <laughs> but I know whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Check this out. In between her vacillation of mourning over what died, faith starts to rise. And she says, but something in me tells me. It's like Jeremiah. It's like fire that's shut up in my... They won't even talk to me, but something in me tells me I'm talking to somebody today. It doesn't even look like it can happen, but something's telling me to run on. Something's telling me to keep pressing. I want to throw in the towel, but something pushed me another day. I wanted to say it's not working, but something pushed me another day. That's how some of you came to church today. You were discouraged and you were depressed, but something pushed you and said, get up out of that bed. She says, but now I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. That's what Katy Perry said in the song. She said, I'm born again out of the lion's den. You missed it. She said, she said, I got a fresh revelation when I had to go through some stuff. And my faith rose, but it only rose when it was tested. She says, but I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Look at verse 23. Jesus, now she makes a statement, right? So, but look at Jesus. See, watch this. All of these contrasts, all these paradoxes. So then Jesus said, your brother will rise again. Now imagine how hard it would be for her to believe that. She goes from doubt to faith to then Jesus giving another promise. She goes from doubting to having faith to where now Jesus makes another promise. So imagine, y'all, how difficult it is. I'm almost through. Imagine how difficult it is for her to believe that promise. But today, I got an announcement for you. And it may not be for everybody, but it's for somebody. God's announcement to you is that your Lazarus will rise. It ain't for everybody, it's for somebody. Only them that can gladly receive the word shall receive the word. You receive a prophet, you'll receive the promise reward. I got an announcement for you today. Your Lazarus will rise again. Now, some of you, you were, she was, because you're like, another promise. Lord, I don't want to get my hopes up for this one, because it's another promise. My question is, what's your Lazarus? What do you need God to help that seems like it's not being helped? Lazarus, whom God helps, whom God resurrects. What's your Lazarus today? Everybody in here has got one. Touch your neighbor and say, you too. Look at the other person and say, you too. Look at the one that's looking kind of stupid and say, you too. <laughs> now, if you did that, you just told them that their face was looking messed up. And they were just looking that way because they were in Martha. They were trying to go <laughs> back and forth. Look at this, y'all. Look at this, look at this, look at this, look at this. Verse 24. Martha said to him, check this out. Because she misunderstood the promise. Y'all got to help me preach this because we, we still got like, 10 verses, and I got like five minutes. And I'm not doing this midweek. Here it is. Martha said to him, verse 24, I know that he will rise again at, in the resurrection at the last day. 
she misunderstood the promise. She said, oh, I'm going to see him again. You're right about it, Lord. And, and when everybody rises and when you return, yes, I'm going to see him again. Yes, Jesus, that's true. Yes, thank you. Yes, amen. Praise the Lord. She said, I got hope because when I get over to the be sweet beauty of the land and the sweet by and by, I'm going to see him again. She didn't understand that Jesus wasn't talking about him rising over there, but he was talking about him rising down here. There's certain things that you've put off to some way down the road that can happen now. There's some stuff that you said, well, maybe in five years. And God said, you misunderstood the promise. I wasn't talking about five years from now. I'm talking about right here and right God, I wish I had a faith-filled church to preach this thing. He said, you misunderstanding the promise, girl. Ain't nobody talking about the resurrection. Ain't nobody talking about when I return. But I guess I'll just have peace when I die with Jesus. You fool, you're supposed to have peace now. Well, I guess I'll do well when I get over to heaven. You're supposed to do well now. We're not living to die to get over there. We're living to live so we can bring over there down here. That's called kingdom. Look at this. Look at this. Look at this. Look at verse 25. Because Jesus says, sir, let me just school you. Jesus says, I am the resurrection, and I am the life. And whoever believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe. Now, check this out. He asked her a yes or no question. She still didn't get it. Look at her response. Oh, yes, I believe you're the Messiah. <laughs> Ain't nobody talking about that. Christ, Moshiach. I believe that you're the Christ, the, uh, the Son of God who has come into the world. Verse 28. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, The teacher has come and is calling for you. As soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now, Jesus had not yet come into the town, but a place, the place where Martha met him. So check this out. Jesus comes. Have y'all ever, um, like, driven into the city? So this campus is in Aurora. Have you ever, like, driven in to Aurora from another city, and it had that all-American sign, welcome to the all-American city, and all that, and you say, welcome to Aurora? Okay? But now, even though you, you were at the city, you weren't in the city. Check it out. Jesus stays outside of the city having conversations with them, which means he delayed it even further. Come on, church. Now, he already knows it's bad because it's been four days. We know factually that they told him it's been four days. And then he says, well, I'm going to just stand out here, though. I ain't even, I'm not even, just, go get her. Well, Lord, can you come? No. I'm not even stepping into the city. Ch check this out. Say he delayed it further. Check out, check out verse 31. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her, when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, follow, they followed her, saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there, the tomb of her brother. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, she fell down at his feet, saying to him, Lord, if you had been there, my brother would not have died. Didn't we just have this discussion with the other sister? Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her were weeping, he groaned in the spirit and was troubled. In other words, what Jesus said is, listen, listen, I'm not coming. Watch this because you got to get this. Jesus said, I'm not coming to you until you first come to me. 
But so what are you trying to say? The scripture says, draw nigh unto God, and he'll draw nigh unto you. If you lean into him, I'm telling you, he'll lean back. I, I dare you to just lean on your neighbor real quick. Just, I said, lean on your neighbor. Just lean. Jesus said, no, you got to come to me. And let me fix your issue on my terms. Because check this out. If I come to your house, the issue with your house is you've got all of these people mourning with you. You're missing what I'm saying. You're missing what I'm saying. They're, those people around her were feeding her weeping, not feeding her believing. The people around her were feeding her weeping, not feeding her believing. So they were saying, it so is bad. It so is messed up. Yes, it is. It so is. Oh, this is horrible. This is horrible. How you making it? How you going to get through? How you going to do this? How you gonna? They were feeding her weeping, not feeding her believing. Bishop, what do you mean feeding her weeping, not her believing? Didn't Jesus tell them up front, his sickness is not unto death? When she got the message, the people around her should have said, well, it may look like it's dead. It may look like it's not going to happen. But if he said it, we believe it. That settles it. No. Instead, they were mourning. I dare you to just take about 20 seconds and recognize this ain't no time for weeping. Weeping may endure for a night. I got an announcement from heaven. Nighttime is over. I said nighttime is over. Touch your neighbor and say, stop your weeping and start believing. Watch this. I got to move. I got to move. Watch this. He groaned in the spirit and he was troubled. Now look, he's troubled because all those people came to him weeping. Oh my God, Lord. Oh my God. Oh my God, I don't understand. And let's be honest, we all had those moments. Look at the neighbor and just wink at him because they're trying to act like they don't. Matter of fact, some of you had it this morning on your way driving in. Some of y'all had to go get your Mac compact and redo your stuff when you came in this morning because you had. <laughs> Fellas, that's makeup. That's makeup. <laughs> look at this. Look at this. Jesus had already said to her that his sickness was not unto death, which means God's word had already said what the end of it would be despite what the middle of it looked like. Which means right now, touch your neighbor and say right now. What you got to do is be careful of the tone and the tense of your conversations. Bishop, what do you mean? Stop saying God's getting ready to. You don't understand. You need to start speaking God has. Why? Because I can call. I feel my help coming. I can call things that be not as though they were. Which means I'm not talking about what he's getting ready to do. I'm saying he's already done it. I'm not getting ready to walk in the blessing. I am the blessing. I'm not getting ready to walk in breakthrough. I'm walking in. Look at this. I got to move. I got to move. Verse 34. And he said, where'd you lay him? They said, Lord, come see. Look at verse 35. Jesus wept. Y'all know this because some of y'all, when you would go around Thanksgiving and one of the parents would say to you, you know, give a scripture and you call yourself, you know, Jesus wept. <laughs> now watch this. It's getting ready to get real intense real fast. So y'all got to stay with me. Touch your neighbor and say, don't lose him. Verse 36. Then the Jews said, see how he loved him. Third time we're hearing about his love for this man. And some of them said, well, could he not, who opened eyes of the blind, kept this man from dying? 
Look at, look, look at me, Harvest. This was so bad that it hurt God. I told you it's going to get real, real intense real fast. Jesus wept. The situation was so bad that even the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords had to take a moment to cry. Because while his divinity was very sure, his humanity was pierced. While his divinity had a promise, his humanity had a problem. While his divinity had an answer, his humanity had a question. And then the people began to grumble. Well, I see he crying. He must have really loved him. But uh, uh, my question is, why didn't he stop him from dying? Lord, why didn't you stop them from hurting me? Lord, why didn't you stop them from betraying me? Lord, why didn't you show me? Lord, I asked you for this sermon. Why didn't you give it to me? Lord, I asked you for wisdom. Why does it seem like I'm unwise? I, Lord, why? And the people began to question Jesus. And I look at verse 38. Then Jesus, again groaning in himself, came to the tomb. <laughs> it was a cave. And the stone lay against it. It was a dark place with no exit. They had locked Lazarus away into a dark place with no exit. With a heavy stone blocking anything from getting in. But watch this. And anything from coming out. Watch this. Verse 39. Jesus said, take away the stone, Martha. Martha, the sister of him who was dead, said to him, Lord, by this time, it stinks. He's been dead for four days. And you know he's been dead for four days. You let him die. And then you told us you were glad about it. Look at verse 40. Then Jesus says to her, did I not say? Now, I could preach it right home right here. He says, listen to me. What did I say? Parents, you ever had to tell your children something that it seemed like they didn't get? What did I say? Mama, we're going to get some ice cream on Friday? Didn't I tell you we're going to go on Friday? Well, I was just checking. I don't need you to check because my word is good. Jesus said to her, did I not say to you that if you would believe, you would see the goodness of God? In other words, he said, you better do what I'm saying and you better do it quickness. With the quickness, excuse me. Look what he said. Look what he said. Look what he said. <laughs> Watch this. When it seemed beyond fixing, that's when Jesus said, let me see it. Man, you ever been trying to fix something that, you know, because we're fixers, even if we don't know how to fix stuff? You know, so we kind of tinker with it and let me see it. Let me, let me see. Now, now, what's it doing? Okay, hold on. Let me... <laughs> When, when, watch this, when it looked like it could not be fixed, that's when Jesus said, let me see it. You're not hearing what I'm saying. You came to church today and Jesus said, let me see it. You've been crying about it, but let me see it. You've been worried about it, but let me see it. You've been whining about it, let me see it. You've been running to everybody else but me about it. Let, I, I tell you to touch your neighbor, say, let him see it, let him see it. Show and tell. That's the game he wants to play. Let him see it. Jesus. 
But the issue with letting him see it is now you have to believe another promise. And that's where the issue comes in. Because you figure Jesus would have just, when he showed up, right, Lazarus would have just got up. Let me see it. Now they got to believe another promise. Here it is. I'm almost through harvest. Hear me. Understand this, that what you believe is discovered in what you do. She didn't want to remove the stone because she didn't want to have to deal with the disappointment of another promise being unfulfilled. Because she didn't understand how God was going to fulfill this promise. See, it's one thing when God does things for you instantly. It's another thing when he takes his time. It doesn't take very much faith for instant, but it takes a little bit more faith for some time. And you're trying to say, but God, I said by this day it would happen. And he said, I know, and, and I got that. He said, I just, it was done in the spirit. Y'all didn't hear what I just said. It, 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 it takes way more faith to believe something over time than it does to believe for instantly. So whenever God's increasing your faith, just know it may take a little bit longer than it did last time. You didn't hear what I said. Last time you prayed on Sunday, got it on Tuesday. God said, but this time I'll do it in the spirit by Tuesday, but I just need to see how much you're going to trust me. I just need to see how much you love me. I need to see if you're still going to be faithful to me. I need to see if you'll keep praising me. I need to see if you'll keep praying. I need to see if you'll keep loving. I need to see if you'll... Here it is. This is interesting because, because there were several times in Scripture where people had been raised from the dead. So this wasn't something that, that, was, that was unusual, per se, to Hebrews. But look at verse 41. Then they took away the stone from the place where the dead man was lying. And Jesus lifted up his eyes and said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me. Look at what they did, verse 41, y'all. They did what he said. They did what he said, even though they ran the risk of being disappointed again. They did what he said, even though they ran the risk of being disappointed again. They did what he said, even though they ran the risk of being disappointed again. I don't have a church here. They did what he said, even though they ran the risk of nothing great happening. Because here's what was going to have to happen, y'all. For them to open that, they would have smelled the stench. If they smelled something, watch this, they would have begun to walk by senses and sight. Please be faster than that, because the time is cooking. When they smell, have, have, you ever, have you ever smelled something that put you in a mindset that you weren't in before you smelled it? You ever saw something that put you in a mindset that you weren't, okay, check this out. So for them to open that door, they were going to have to deal with it again. And they had locked it away into a dark place. But to open that, they were going to have to confront those emotions. They were going to have to confront that disappointment. They were going to have to confront that missed expectation. They were going to have to open up again. But hear me, if you don't open up, he can't get in. I'm here to tell somebody, I know that you've locked some stuff away in your life, but if you don't open it up, he can't get in. And if he can't get in, nothing can come out. Here it is. Here it is. Jesus said, Father, I thank you that you've heard me and you always hear me. But because of these folk that are standing by, I said this so that they can finally believe. Listen, what's this mean? God's going to do what he's going to do for you right in front of your doubters. Not to prove how great you are, but to prove how great he is. Because your greatness is because of his greatness. God said, I'm going to do this in front of all of y'all. Y'all been mourning and weeping. 
when you should have been feeding her believing. You've been saying, well, why didn't he do this and why didn't he do this? He said, I'm going to do it in front of you so that you never, ever think to question me like that again. Who do you know who you messing with? Where were you when I made the stars? Where were you when I formed the earth? Where were you when I... You'll learn to never doubt me again in your life. That's where some of you are at today. God says you're getting ready to learn to never, ever doubt me another day of your life. I got to hurry up. Here it is. I got three minutes. Look at this. Verse 43. Now, when Jesus had said these things, he cried out with a loud voice. This is where we started and we're going home. He said, Lazarus. And you know why he had to call his name? Because if he didn't call his name, Everything that was in the tomb would have got up. Because there's some stuff that's dead that need to stay dead. I ain't talking about that person that kept you away from Jesus. That sucker need to stay up out your life. I ain't talking about that. I ain't talking about that job that kept you from church. That one need to go. He said... Lazarus, one whom I resurrect. That's what his name means. Come forth. Notice, notice, he didn't say rise up. Bishop, Bishop, what you're trying to say? Lazarus was standing in there the whole time, just waiting on their faith to get him out of there. Your breakthrough has been standing back here the whole time just waiting on you. And somebody today in this church is getting ready to have Lazarus. He was never laying down. He had been standing up the whole time waiting. Touch your neighbor say breakthrough's waiting on you. Tell them favor's waiting on you. Tell them God is waiting on you. He didn't say get up. He said come out. Because he had been standing in there the whole time, waiting on them to finally do what he said. He was waiting on them to do what he said. Lazarus, come forth. Look at this. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Here it is. Verse 44. And he who had died came out. This sickness is not unto death. And he who had died walked out. But when he walked out, there was still some stuff on him that kept him bound. Grave clothes. Graves are places of dead things, dead dreams, dead visions, missed expectations, misplaced hope. He, he, he said, he said, the breakthrough came out but it wasn't fully released. He said, because it's got grave clothes on. And you can't walk around in the land of the living when you're dressed in the clothes of the dying. Bishop, what are you trying to say? I know it hurt, but let it go. Because if you don't move forward in your life, you're going to be living but walking around in dead man's clothes. And his faith was wrapped with a cloth. And Jesus said, well, I told you his sickness wasn't unto death. <laughs> He'd been standing up in there the whole time. He, he, said, but, he said, but I'll tell you what, though. It's not enough for him to be saved. I need him to be set free. L listen to me. Listen to me. It's not enough 
Hear me, Harvest. You coping with your issue is not you conquering your issue. And coping ain't good enough. You being aware but not able, that ain't good enough. So look at what Jesus does. Put the verse up, and then we're going to just praise God in here. Put it up. He said, Jesus said to them, he wasn't speaking to the people because if he was speaking to the people around Lazarus, he would have said, untie him so he can go. He's speaking to the clothes. And he says, loose him and let him go. The people couldn't have let him go because they never had him. You're missing what I'm saying. There's stuff in your life that when you look at it, sometimes you look and say it's great, but. It's awesome, but. And the only reason there's the but is because while Lazarus came out, you didn't speak to what had Lazarus bound. Bishop, what are you trying to say? Don't just say your children are serving the Lord. Say they're serving the Lord and they're free from that crazy friend and they're free from that drug and they're free from that drinking and they're free from that. Don't just say that your finances are blessed, but say you're free from bad budgeting. You're free from frivolous spending. You're free from not living according to God's word. You're free from not being a tither. You're free from not giving. You're missing what I'm saying. Because what good is Lazarus coming back to life? If he's still bound. What good is it for you to get the breakthrough if it's still bound? If you're still bound? What sense would it make for God to give you what you've always been praying for and he knows you're going to mess it up? So today, what we're getting ready to do is not just call Lazarus for, but what we're getting ready to do is speak to what's been binding Lazarus. Ain't no faith in here. Experiences are what people love the most about travel. Viator is a website and app where you can book travel experiences like hiking Mount Kilimanjaro in Tanzania or enjoying the views while cruising on a catamaran in the Caribbean. They offer everything from simple tours to extreme adventures. With over 300,000 bookable experiences in 190 countries, there's something for everyone. Plus, Viator's travel experiences have millions of real traveler reviews. So you have the information you need to book the best activities for your trip. When you book a travel experience with Viator, there's always flexibility and support with free cancellation, payment options, and 24-7 service. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10, that's V-I-A-T-O-R-10, for 10% off your first booking in the app. One app, over 300,000 travel experiences you'll remember. Do more with Viator. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.